This is the Jocko Underground Podcast number 45 with Echo Charles sitting across the table from me. And just to give a little bit of just some perspective that we were talking about to everyone. Um, Right now, the date is the 18th of March. And looking at the war as it unfolds in Ukraine. And one of the things that I just wanted to bring a sort of very ground level tactical view to is the way I think there's some things that are going to have a big impact on that on that war. Um, One of them is snipers. And the reason I bring this up is because snipers which in task unit bruiser we used very effectively against the enemy in Iraq the the psychological impact of snipers cannot be overstated it is a massive psychological impact we certainly got reports from the enemy you know we would intercept reports or we'd get gather human intelligence that would say that the the enemy the insurgents in Ramadi were horrified of snipers and what makes it so horrifying is that you it's kind of, i guess it's it's almost the uh, 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 there's an equivalency between a sniper and a roadside bomb mm-hmm. in that you're just minding your own business you're doing you know you're doing you're be you're doing your bad guy stuff you're out there doing your bad guy stuff and you think you're going to get away with doing your bad guy stuff and you're not scared of anyone because you kind of operate without without any fear because you don't even see you don't see any any American forces around you're just out there being a bad guy mm. maybe you're with your buddy and you're out there doing bad guy stuff you're digging a hole in the road or you're maneuvering to a fighting position or whatever and all of a sudden your friend's head just disappears and you don't know how it happened. You don't know where. You didn't hear a boom, right? Mm. So you don't hear Do the gunshot. You, you may or may not. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how far you are. Or maybe you hear it a second later or yeah. two seconds later. Mm. And and then you look to respond. And you don't see anything. You, you know what you see is you see windows. So imagine you're walking down the street. Imagine you're walking down the street in San Diego. In downtown San Diego. You've been to downtown San Diego. You worked at the at the bar, right? Yeah, that's true. So imagine you're standing out in front of your bar in San Diego. You're being your bouncer, <laughs> right? Sure. And and imagine how many how many windows and doorways can you see? Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. yeah. It might be thousands, right? It's more than it's thousands. Probably it's probably like ten, maybe 10,000. Given, yeah, like well, 10,000. Be, because 000. the angles, it, it may not be... It's not infinite, but there is a really hard, a very large number. Because mm-hmm. it's not just the building across the street or the next building down or the next. It's like six buildings down. Yeah, more than that. It's every building you can see. It's every building you can yeah. see. Yeah. And the rooftop and the windows. So we, now imagine that the previous day when you were doing your bouncing job, you were standing out there with your friend Fred, and all of a sudden Fred's head just disappeared. And now it's now it's the next day, and you're going to work. How do you feel? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to feel good about that. No, no. So, we would hear those reports when we were in Ramadi of of fear, 
psychological fear. Also, there were some what we called enemy sharpshooters. So we didn't call them snipers because they weren't they weren't like full on, fully capable snipers. But there were some damn good shots, and they 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 made some shots. Mm-hmm. And we would hear about those in the whole area of operations, like. For instance, here's one report that started coming down was that there was a, an enemy sharpshooter that was shooting and aiming for the groin. That's what he was aiming for. And and so this was like, you know, just to give that psychological fear. There was these weird stories about uh, like Chechen snipers. So now you're thinking, oh, it's this is a person that's been trained for this kind of thing. So I think that well, the, the Ukrainians have very good actual snipers, and it is taking a toll on the Russians. And here's the thing, from a, you know, I, start, I st- started off by saying like, hey, I wanna bring this down to a tactical perspective, but now I wanna think, think about this from a strategic perspective. If you've got 100 snipers, you got 100 snipers, and each one of your snipers is killing three a day, three enemy a day. Now you've got a, a, a friendly force or whatever, whatever force is losing 300 people a day mm-hmm. just from sniper shots that they can't react to, they don't know how to defend against. So 300 people a day, that turns into a real problem for any military. So as I've been watching this thing unfold in Ukraine, I think it's gonna, I think that's gonna leave a mark. And then on top of that, we have these anti-tank weapons. They have these anti-tank weapons. The anti-tank weapons, uh, this is another psychological thing because as a tanker, a young tanker, what are you thinking? You When you get into a tank, you think you're getting into a, uh, you know, a, a, a place that no one can touch you, no one can bother you, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Now, I never had this feeling. When I was in the back of tanks, when I was in the back of, well, really, I was in the back of Bradley's, but getting into a Bradley, you de- I definitely didn't feel like, oh, I'm untouchable, because Bradley's were getting blown up and destroyed, and it was vicious to die inside of a Bradley. So I never felt any level of comfort when I was getting into a Bradley fighting vehicle to transit somewhere in Ramadi. Why is that? Well, it's because I had seen Bradleys get blown up and seen the damage that it caused and seen the people get killed in those. So let's say you're a young Russian tanker and you know, you've trained and you literally go out and you drive over vehicles and it's cool and you can't hear anything in there because it's such a big, giant, metal, awesome machine. And you're thinking, hey, the Ukrainians don't even have, you know, they've, they've got limited tanks, so we're just gonna kind of dominate. Mm. So now the first day goes by and all of a sudden you hear rumors, right? Hey, wait, they have some kind of anti-tank weapons. They're shooting our tanks and it's destroying our tanks and killing the guys inside. And they, well, how many, how many tanks got knocked out? And all of a sudden it's like seven, 12, 14 tanks. And now all of a sudden, instead of you feeling indestructible, you feel absolutely vulnerable. Mm. And between just those two things, just between the snipers 
and the anti-tank weapons that are being used, both of those are being used very effectively. I think that Russia did not anticipate this type of warfare. I don't think they're ready for this type of warfare. I don't think it's psychologically easy for them to take. And I think it is going to, I think think the the Russia's in for a, a rude awakening. I think the morale of the troops is very, very low right now. Of course, some of that's propaganda. I get it. But even just seeing what's happening, I know the morale is low. I know it's low. You can't take that many casualties and not have your morale start to dip. Especially because you're not seeing even where this is coming from. You're getting sniped. And that tells you that we're exposed. Guess what else it tells you? It tells you that you're fighting a highly trained enemy. And that's a scary, scary thing. It's a scary, scary thing. You know when you're uh, like you're in a bar yeah. and somebody you know bumps into you or whatever and you like, hey, what's your problem? And they go into like a legitimate fight stance. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure, yeah. Like instantly you know, oh, this dude trains. So it yeah. went from, hey, I'm Echo and I'm kind of tough and I'm gonna jack this dude up to, oh man. <laughs> and then... Imagine what, you know, so he goes into like a legitimate fight stance, hands up, you know, he's kind of looking light on his feet and you're like, oh, I wasn't anticipating this. And then you like take a swing at him and he just like slips your, and cracks you. And cracks you again. Mm. And so you're a little bit stunned and you realize you just messed with someone that's a well-trained. That's the psychological, especially when you fought, like the guy looked kind of dumpy. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like you kind of jack, so you're like, "Hey, this isn't going to be that much of a match for me." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Hey, it's, if saying. you were if you were going to into if someone was like, "Hey, Echo, this guy's a fighter. You need to go fight him," and so you were going in with that attitude, yeah. you'd be like, "Okay, it's I'm different. ready for it." Yeah. That was Russia. wasn't Russia wasn't like, "Hey, we're going again against trained fighters. We're going to go and kick their ass. Yeah, we're yeah. big. We're strong." So psychologically, it's much more difficult. So yeah. even as a tr- as a coach. I don't tell you, I don't say, hey man, you're gonna run through this guy. I don't say that, because if it doesn't happen, we're gonna have problems. Well, yeah. guess what the Russians have been thinking for the last five years? We're gonna run through these Ukrainians. That's what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And now when it doesn't happen, you got a psychological situation to deal with, yeah. and it is hard to deal with. And, uh, and this is unfortunate, I think there's gonna be a lot of brutality. Mm-hmm. I think there's gonna be some savagery coming from the Soviets, or sorry, coming from the Russians, because they're going to get frustrated, they're going to get scared, they're going to get, uh, there's going to be the chain of command is going to put massive pressure on them, and it's going to get, it's going to get ugly. But I think that it's going to be hard for them to continue with this campaign with what they're facing. Yeah. So that sniper scenario yeah. is like, especially when you lay it out like yeah. that, because most of us don't think about it as right. much, you know, but. Consider that even compared to IEDs. That, you know, look, obviously, I, you know this about me. I've never been, in, uh, you know, in the presence of an IED or a real sniper. <laughs> but as far as imagining it goes, especially with with what you just explained, IEDs 
as terrible as they are compared to sniper sniper you just you can just be walking around doing pretty much anything ieds you got to kind of be doing something specific you know like uh, i could literally be talking to you just sitting here and chance of an ied go down way way down if i'm just standing there not doing anything sniper doesn't doesn't matter at all right so you can literally be doing the same exact thing every single day eyes on like watching the area the whole time and then yeah and then also if you witness it or if you get here whatever it's like a ghost Mm -hmm. it's like an actual like ghost that can appear literally like unannounced you can't figure it out it's like a ghost and you don't hear it sometimes bro that's like an additional layer of terror there were some ops in ramadi where once the snipers killed one or two people one or two enemy the rest of the enemy just like just like stopped immediately like we're done they just they just like faded away cuz they were so horrified yeah it's true so yeah you're right too that same concept kind of goes with the tankers where it's not like you you know how and you explain this so i'm getting it pretty much from from you guys is where when you go out to war you kind of know the deal where you're like we're going to go out we're going to fight i could die and mm-hmm. I get it, man. And you go out with that mindset and you freaking and you handle your business. So in the in a tank, if you start out with the mindset that you're talking about, where it's like you're kind of kind of indestructible, kind of cool. Yeah, kinda indestructible. We'll say, for lack of a better word, pretty safe. I'm going to go out and handle my business. But from a, from a place of kind of relative safety, we'll say, for lack of a better term. And then you <laughs> just like that, it gets flipped onto now you're not just not safe anymore you're actually vulnerable yeah. like in a very specific way and being targeted yes yes in that way in that way man that's like yeah that's and when heavy. you're not prepared for it which i don't think the russians were prepared for i don't think the russians were prepared for this type of combat yeah. i thought they were, hey we're gonna sweep in there well you know what are you doing in the next you know i'll be home in a week right hey babe i'll be home in a week we're going to take ukraine yeah i'll be fine so We'll continue to watch that thing unfold. Um, very horrible. Very horrible to watch. With that, let's get to some Q and A. Yes, sir. First question. Hey, Jocko. I have this recently occurring issue. I have this issue uh, recently uh, with where my mother is always trying to put me down when it comes to my career choice. She wanted me to go to the military out of high school, but I chose college to play baseball. She tells me if I was going to the major leagues, it would be, it would have already happened out of high school, and I, I'd have a better chance of winning the lottery than becoming anyone important. She always been completely against my baseball career, and yet she hasn't seen me play in years. I've taken a very realistic approach towards baseball. I have the genetics, the strength, the speed, baseball IQ, my pop time, as a catcher is 1.89 seconds. I can hit for average and power, and I'm only 19. Although I still see my dream soon becoming a reality, my only struggle is that I would like for my mother to be back on my side. She's trying to kill my motivation, and uh, she's trying to kill my motivation on a daily basis, and it does get hard sometimes. Do I try to win my ma's heart back over? Or do I just keep satisfying my emotions and chase my dream without her? My parents were always my biggest supporters, and now it's just me and my pop. <laughs> uh, in the world, a weird place, man. Yeah. In the world, a strange place. It's. I'd be interested to know the dynamics of your parental situation. Are they still together? Are they divorced? Um, 
how how did that go down? If they are divorced, you know, do they hate each other? Um, is there some dynamic that would make her want you to fail? Um, maybe she doesn't want you to be successful. Maybe she maybe she just doesn't want to see your dreams crushed, right? Yeah. So that could be it. Mm-hmm. Maybe she doesn't want you to be poor because yeah. she thinks, well, you know. Uh, Dude, he's not going to make it, so I don't want him to, you know, freaking not have a job. And he's just going the military. So there's a lot of different dynamics that it's hard to decipher from this question. I think, fortunately, the answer kind of from my perspective would be the same kind of regardless of the dynamics. And that is stay on task, dude. Stay on task and um, keep working. Uh, you got to take a shot at this. In my opinion, you got to take a shot. You got the genetics, you got your p- good pop time. You know, it's not bad. It's not for terrific, but it's not bad. It's, it's in the game, right? We're in the game. Um, you got good baseball. Okay, you know, you're, you're, you're doing good, right? Stay on task. Now, if you want to have a discussion with her, maybe you could, first of all, you could try and figure out like what her concerns are. Like what what is actually bothering you? Is it that? Maybe she has a legitimate reason. Hey, listen, you know, my dad tried to play pro ball and he was dreaming about it for the rest of his life and he ended up not doing very well. Maybe she has a legitimate concern like that. Or she's like, hey, you know, one injury and then you won't be able to play anymore and you will have, okay, let's figure out what her concerns are and then let's figure out if we can address those concerns. Another thing I would do is probably present her with some kind of a plan of what you're actually gonna do. Hey, here's where I'm at right now. This is my age, this is my, this is what I'm gonna try and do. I'm gonna train like this. I'm gonna go to this kind of school. I'm gonna, in college, I'm gonna study this. So I'm gonna have some kind of a backup plan. I, I, this is my opportunity to get in the into the minor leagues. If I get to the minor leagues, I'm gonna spend this amount of time there. If I don't get to the minor leagues, then I'm gonna give it until this date before I say, okay, it's obviously not gonna work out. That's my plan. Here's my backup plan. Here's what I'm gonna do. And I think if you present that kind of a plan that might be a way to make her feel better about it. Um, success also might look different to her, right? What is success to her? Like for her, just going in the military where you got, you got a, you know, she can be proud of the fact that you serve. That's cool. Maybe she likes it because it's three hots in a cot, right? Like you're good to go for life if you're in the military, right? You're from a financial perspective, you're good to go. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot to there's a lot to try and guess at, but. Even without knowing, dude, if you don't go after this hard, you're gonna regret it for the rest of your life. I'm, I hate to tell you this, and I'm sure you've heard that. I'm sure you already figured that out. You gotta go hard at this. You gotta give it the best chance that you can, and then you gotta be realistic. And after three years, four years, I don't know what the what the time frame is for a baseball player where you're, where you pretty much know you don't. It ain't happening. Mm. Figure out what that age is. Also, watch your. Like, hey, right now your pop time is 1.89 and you look up in two years and your pop time is 1.94 and then it's 2.1. Like now now we know we're not improving. Mm. You're only 19, dude. I mean, you're not even close to your physical, you know, peak at all. Mm-hmm. So go for it, bro. Try and maintain a relationship with your mom. Try and listen to what she has to say, but don't let her dictate your life. Um, come up with a plan, execute the plan. That's what I'm thinking. What is pop time? It's like how long that how long it takes for them to get up, react. Yeah, to get up out of like the squat throw. Yeah, huh. interesting. 
Do you ever like, I mean, okay. So think about his mom. Do you, have you ever had that perspective with your kids? Kind of like, Hey, don't do that. And kind of like you want them to do something specific. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, what have you done? I try and let them, let them guide themselves. And I maybe drop, uh, little markers on the ground <laughs> to point them in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, and even that, it feels like markers in being passive aggressive is like kind of like one is one extreme version of the other kind of a thing. You got to be careful, mm-hmm. I would think. Got to be careful. Yeah, but you never did because uh, it makes sense, right? Because there's it's it takes a psycho mother to be like. I don't want you to be happy with what you do with your life. You hey, know? I don't want you to set the highest possible goal in your loved field of pursuit. Well, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. It is crazy when that's you think about it like theory. that, or we'll say when you frame it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, that's not what she's doing. She's more like, obviously, it's a safety thing. It seems like, anyway, I don't want to say obviously, but. Dude, we have no idea. She could be a psycho, by the way. I know, she but she could be like, oh, she could hate the divorced husband so much that, and his dream is with him, so she wants him to fail just to hurt the dad. Oh yeah, that's I how mean, crazy shit could get. It could, yeah, it could, or yeah, or she was date. She dated a pro baseball player could earlier in her life, yep. and she got she, dumped. Yeah, oh. And it's like, no way, my yeah. son's gonna be any lousy baseball. So I get it, but as far as caring about your son, it's more about caring about the safety. You know, because look, major league, ba- like professional athlete, that's huge risk. Compared to like many, many other professions, especially actually military is too. Huge but risk what? Trying to get there? As far as oh, achieving it. Yeah, it's, like a, it's a hard to get there. A pro athlete is like, it's kind of unattainable statistically speaking. Okay, but it sounds like Holmes here has got a, sh- a legitimate shot at it. Yeah. And he's being realistic about it. Yeah. You know? But that's as far as the, a but mother's hey, feeling. Also, speaking of like, she could be crazy. He could be crazy too, right? He could be like, I have the genetics. Maybe this dude don't have no genetics. Maybe his mom's like, hey, Johnny, bro, you need to go in the military. Maybe the mom sees the reality. Maybe mom sees the reality. Mm. I don't. This guy seems like he's pretty squared away. Uh, So, gotta go for it though. Even if you're, even if you got to go for it, dude. I think you're got to go for it. Yeah, even if you're not attached to reality that much, like you kind of should go for it regardless. Yeah, that way you learn about what reality is. I would not want to go through my whole life thinking I wish I would have. You know, uh, unfortunately, um, I meet people that have that about joining the military, right? I always want to join the military. Mm -hmm. No, I wish I would have done it. And it's a bummer, you know, because that's one thing about the military. You kind of miss your window, it's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like you can go to college when you're 49 years old, yeah. you know, yeah. you can go to college when you're 62 years old. Mm. You can change careers when you're 38. You can change careers when you're 62. You can change, mm. you can learn a new instrument, guitar, when you're 42. Sure. Like there's all these like, but once that window for the military is gone, you can't do it anymore. So if I wanted to join the military right now, could I? How old are you? 44. No. No, like no, not even. I don't think there's even. Or say, hey, chance. I want to work on a ship. Like I, you know, no, I no don't, love. I don't think forty two. Uh, 40, 44? 44. Sure. Yeah, I think you're out of luck, bro. No love. Like that's such a burden on the system to have a forty four year old man with no training. <laughs> like that's such a burden. <laughs> so when, but is it is it a case by case or is it like somewhere in the yeah, guidelines? No, where I it's think like, the guidelines hey, are like forty or thirty two or something. I think for SEAL training, it's like 29. No shit. Yeah. 
So 29 is the cutoff. So the kind where it's like, hey, straight up, like the, a guy rolls in capable, well, appears mm-hmm. capable. He's 30. Sorry, bro. Uh, sorry, no love. Or you some need like a waiver. Occasional people get like waiver. Drago. I think Drago was like 31. Yeah. But or he something. needed a specific waiver for that. get a spe- specific waiver. So if I roll Maybe up. He just beat up the waiver guy. He's like, took it. <laughs> Approved. <laughs> so wait. So I show up to. The Navy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a SEAL. I mm-hmm. want to be. I want to work on the ship. I want to. Okay. I have an. I have a, a engineering okay. background. Okay. Electrician. What's your age? Forty four. Right Can't now. Can't take you. So straight up. I don't. Can think, I go get a waiver? I don't. I don't know, but it's unlikely, dude. A forty four year old person like yourself that has no training, no value. No. What can't if I bring anything to the what, table? <laughs> what if? I, what if I came with training though? Like I, I have like that's my background. What? I don't know. Being electrical. And, <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying me, bro. Dude, I'm saying, I don't know what the cutoff is. We could probably Google it, but I yeah. guarantee there's a cutoff where you literally can't go. Anywhere. Well, right, and that's really. But I will what I'm say asking. this. Interestingly, if you had been in for like a year before. And yeah. it's easier to get back in. Oh, uh, yeah. They kind of consider that. Right, because you, I don't know if you said this or hinted at it or whatever. Um, I know you hinted at it, just not where you say you're a burden on the system. Uh-huh. And then, like, it's kind of like an investment from an investment standpoint, right? You come in at 18, man, yeah. you got a lot of years out of this guy regardless of what we train yeah. him in. If I come in at 44, it's like, man, my time is kind of running out. So it's like, is that, like, kind of the approach or is there just like whatever it's based on that's the rule um i'm I'm literally googling this i know army age limit 35 (laughs) navy age limit 39 marine age limit 28 air force age limit 39 so there you go you can't join damn i'm out huh all right there you go which is a bummer it's a bummer it's a bummer like i said sometimes i meet people that are that are like 32. And you're like, I really want to be a SEAL. And it's like, mm, that, sh- that ain't happening, bro. That ain't happening. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, it also ain't happening just because it ain't happening. Like, it's hard. I understand. Yeah, like once you get up there in age, just the degenerative toll oh, yeah. takes. You want to be a young yeah. person going through that training. Yeah, bro. You guys talk about like shin splints, stress fractures. Oh, yeah. Bro, I get a stress fracture from walking down the stairs. Yeah. Down the stairs. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Do that three times. Stress Hurt. fracture all day. All right. Next question. Next question. My fiance doesn't drink often, but when she does, is prone to binge drinking. During and after these episodes, I have found her lay- laying and hiding. Lying. Oh, lying. Yes, I've found her lying and hiding the evidence. Looked like lying. Even when sober, she avoids ownership unless caught red-handed. This breach of trust has led me to distrust her across the board. I'm considering walking away. I would like your thoughts on how to proceed. Uh, my, my, just out of the gate real quick, walk. <laughs> right? Look, I, walk. You, you know, you're considering walk away, walk. I mean, she's lying right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, she's lying about drinking. Mm-hmm. She's lying like word. I, well, let, let's say she's lying about like you found out that in the past she had dated some other guy that you used to know, and she just didn't want to bring it up. And uh, like you can at least sort of be like, all right, I get it. She was trying to keep you know, okay, mm-hmm. new leaf or whatever. Still, I don't like that, mm-hmm. right? But she's lying because she's drinking and hiding it. 
um, this is not going to get better. Uh, I, I would walk. I would walk straight up. Now, here's where you're going to screw yourself, kind of, like basically, is you know, you're going to think you can save her. Mm-hmm. You're going to think you can turn her into something she's not. You're going to be the savior to her. She's going to know how to play that game. She's going to say, if I, if you stay with me, I, I won't drink and because I, I love you and all this stuff. And that's a lie, by the way. So, look, the, the, the thing that makes me f- hesitate to say this is because, look, you can't just go through life like not giving people chances and not giving people opportunities and not giving people a second chance and a third chance sometimes, right? Mm. But if you're talking about this is your fiance, bro. This isn't like girl that you're hanging out with. This isn't girl that you met and now you're like, oh, man, she's kind of lying, but I'm, we're going to work through it and I'm going to like, maybe she, you know, maybe she'll turn out to be okay. You know what? What? But but what background did she come from? Was she grew up with an alcoholic dad that was a liar, and she'd maybe help her work through some of those issues? Bro, more power to you. Don't marry her, mm-hmm. right? You, marriage is probably the most important decision you're going to make in your life. Who you're going to marry? So, this is like you went to buy a car, and it didn't start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? It this is not a good scenario, man, um, at all. And so, if you want to talk to her about it and say, "Hey, listen, I, I, I'm talking about making a commitment to you for the rest of my life, and and having children with you, and giving you half my stuff forever, and getting old together." And you're getting drunk and and hiding stuff from me. It's not. It's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah. You know what? I was kind of like hesitant to say it's not happening and say walk. I'm I'm straight up saying walk right yeah. now, dude. Walk. Get away. Move on. Yeah, that does make sense, especially that you put it like that. Where <laughs> I'm gonna commit my life to you. I'm gonna do this, and this is a decision I have to make right now. And then you, it's based on this. Like this is part of the decision. Hey, I gotta get. Out. Here's a, here's something. I just, Pretend that there's no such thing as a divorce. Just pretend that that's not a thing. Be, and I'll tell you what. Uh, let me tell you why I say that. You talk to enough people that have been through divorces, divorces, and you would wish there's no such thing as divorce because it's a freaking nightmare, and it lasts for as long as you're as it lasts your whole life. So you have kids. It's just a nightmare. So I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sure this woman has some nice qualities that you think are redeemable, but this is going to end up a disaster. So one time when I was younger, my wife and I, we were, you know, in San Diego. I was like, E4 in the terms. And we wanted, you know, we were living with my running mate, you know, another team guy. We had a little apartment, shared bathroom, you know, like it was time to try and figure something out, you know. Sure. So I was like, okay, we're going to buy a boat. We're going to buy a boat to live aboard, mm-hmm. right? We're just going to live on a boat. Wait, who for you and your wife? Me and my wife. Goodbye, boat. And I like old wooden boats. So I went and borrowed the money from Navy Federal Credit Union, $24,000. I got the check in my hand. Mm -hmm. And we were driving to Long Beach, California to pick up a boat, a 1913 gaff rigged wooden schooner, 51 feet long. (laughs) Damn. And I got the check in my hand. And I was like, you know what? 
I said, babe, we're not doing this. This is a dumb move. <laughs> we will be working on this boat for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna depreciate in value. It's gonna absorb, so we're gonna have to sink so much money into this boat mm. that it's not gonna be worth it. And we didn't do it, and that's one of the, that was a good decision. Were you in Long Beach when you made that decision? Nope. Before you guys drive. left? Before we left, mm. yep. I had like found the boat, called the guy, talked through it, negotiated. Mm. I actually had negotiated him down because I remember I was gonna have a little extra cat, like two thousand dollars extra to put in the put in the boat. You yeah, know, yeah. dude, such a good move not to buy that boat for this guy's wife or fiance. I mean, mm-hmm. under what hypothetical circumstances would you say suck it up or work on it or don't walk away? I I don't think there is one. Um, uh, okay, no, here's the here's the one. And even this one's marginal. I'd say, listen, you're drinking right now. You're lying about it. Uh, we're if you want to make this work, cool. We're going three years, maybe even five years. We're going three to five years of you not not drinking anymore. Hmm. And if if you can make it through three years, we can get engaged again. And if you make it another year after that, we can get married. And I'm putting a prenuptial agreement that if you drink. While we're married, we're not we're not gonna be married. And I'm I'm keeping all my stuff. And then she's like, I can't believe you're gonna say that to me. Cool, later. Uh, or she's like, No, I commit because I love you and I wanna make this work and I know that alcohol is bad for me and I'll and I'm I'll give me the paper. Yeah. Cool. So I'm talking prenup, son. Get the prenup together. But actually just don't do it, dude. Yeah. Don't do it. This is a regret. Interesting. That's where I'm coming from. I mean, because you know what? There's some redeeming quality that she has, you know? She's super hot, right? (laughs) Or she's like super fun or whatever. She's got some thing that's making him think this is the one. Yeah. But here's the deal. Shit ain't gonna last. Yeah, that's a big deal too, where all that, I think it was my brother one time said, hey, arranged marriages are actually technically better. Actually, I've heard this on other Mm. things or whatever, where because, you know how like, and you say this where you don't make good decisions when you're emotional, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that like when you fall in love with someone, the spark, the, that part yeah. of it, isn't gotta, that kind of a state of emotion? It's a total state of emotion and you got to check yourself. Yeah. Because you don't want to get married. Look, you, you also don't want to get married to someone where there's no like emotion there, right? Right. Because yeah. then you get in these arranged marriage where the wife ends up cutting your you know throat in the middle of the night because yeah. she hates you. Don't, she <laughs> don't like how you act. Yeah. Something. So yeah. don't do the arranged marriage thing despite <laughs> Echo's <laughs> encouragement in that direction. No, no you do have to make though, you want to have those emotions. They want to be there. You want to have that emotional connection to your spouse, mm. but you don't want to make the decision purely based on the the emotional and the lust of the scenario, you know? Gotta watch out for that. You want it to be there, but you don't want it to be the driving, you don't want it to be the driving decision-making process, because otherwise, you know, you end up marrying homegirl here, and she's just getting after it. (laughs) (laughs) Jamming you up. So watch out, dude, walk. And and lying about it is kind of a huge deal. Huge deal. Think about it, if she would've just been like, yeah, of course I'm, I'd like to have a couple beverages. Let's, yeah, let's 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 party. It's way different. Yeah, I'm not saying it's great, but she's an alcoholic, dude. Yeah, the tell the the what yeah. you call the classic yep. signs. Interesting. Walk. Next question. Okay, quote: Just do the right thing. The rest doesn't matter. By Marcus Aurelius. 
The people we look, look up to impact us deeply. My grandfather who fought in World War II or my father who is an ER doctor and helped pioneer new treatments. Both have been both have what seemed like an innate drive towards doing what they called the right thing. My grandfather passed and my dad continues to age. I now pick up the torch and keep moving forward, but the world is grow, growing more com- complicated and more gray. What does right mean? How do you evaluate whether you're doing the right thing in work, family, in relation, in friendship, and in life? Thank you for your time. I, I would say when you look at this, for, I want to start with this. You know what the right thing is, mm-hmm. right? You know what the right thing is, right? Uh, do you ever hear that definition of pornography? Where it's like, what is actual pornography? And whichever Supreme Court justice said, I can't tell you what pornography is by a definition, but I can tell you that I know it when I see it, right? So (laughs) this is the same similar answer I'm giving. Mm. Like when you're doing something right and you know it, and when you're Mm. doing something wrong, you know it. Mm. So as we pull the thread on that, what does that look like? Uh, First of all, are are we putting ourselves above above others? You know, if you're trying to take care of yourself, there's a decent chance that you're not doing the right thing to someone else, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to help other people? If you're trying to help other people, that's the right thing to do. Are you hurting someone else? That's the wrong thing to do. Can you avoid hurting someone else? Like there are certain situations where I've gotta make some moves that it's gonna negatively impact Echo and I can't avoid it. And by the way, now if I hurt myself, I'm hurting my family, like we gotta make a decision here. So you gotta weigh that out. Uh, does this make does this thing I'm gonna do make me better or make me worse? Mm-hmm. Right? Is this is this the right thing to do? Well, is it gonna make me better or is it gonna make me worse? Is it gonna put my family in a better situation or a worse situation? Is it gonna put my community in a better situation or a worse situation? My country in a better situation or a worse situation? My company, my country, like any of those things is the thing that I'm trying to figure out is the right thing or the wrong thing to do. Is it gonna improve my situation or is it going to worsen my situation? And then you have to look at that answer from a strategic perspective, not from it's gonna help me right now, but where is it gonna put you in five years? Because if I'm doing something right now that I know, look, it's either me or Echo and I'm just gonna make the call on my behalf and I'm gonna take care of myself and, and I walk away from it going, cool, you know, I've, I got the money, right? I got the extra I got the extra 20 bucks from the from the bartender because you know Echo didn't see that they were splitting tips at the end of the night and I just kind of got in there and got the extra money. Mm-hmm. And it makes, I win, right? That was good for me. It put me in a better situation. Mm-hmm. But what does it put us in, what does it put me in a month where now you found that out, you told everyone at the club that I'm a dirt bag and I stole money and now I get fired. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at these things from a strategic perspective. The other thing I would say to look at is, what is driving this decision of yours? Is it ego? Is it greed? Is it emotion, which we just talked about? Or is your decision being driven by goodwill? Are you doing something out of compassion? Are you doing something out of kindness? So if you're doing something out of kindness or compassion or goodwill, then that's probably the right thing to do. If you're doing it out of ego, there's a decent chance it's the wrong thing to do. If you're doing it out of greed, it's the wrong thing to do. So, so pull the thread and figure out why you're doing this thing that you're talking about doing or that you're gonna go do. What is the root of your behavior? And listen, 
people go through life blind to the root of their behavior. They don't think about why they're doing what they're doing. They're doing it. They're, they're doing something. It's causing problems in their lives. It's causing disruption. It's causing bad relationships. And they don't think about why they're actually doing it. So pull the thread. Because if you're doing something because you're greedy or you're doing something because you have a big ego, it's going to end up bad for you. And if you think about the people that you know that are in a bad way, you'll, you start to analyze the decisions they make, I can just about guarantee they're not looking at things strategically. They're not understanding why they're doing what they're doing. And they're probably putting themselves above everybody else. All that being said, you don't get caught in some weird like mind lock where you're overthinking everything, right? Mm. You know what the right thing to do is. You know what the wrong thing to do is. Trust your instinct. And if your instinct isn't clear, maybe run through some of those questions that I asked. Why are you doing it? What's the driving? What's driving the behavior? Where is this going to put me, my family, my community, my company, my life? Where is it going to put all of that in the long term? And then you can figure out if you're doing something right or doing something wrong. The, the hard one kind of tends to be like, should I stand up for this specific thing, right? Yep. Or the, and, and even that, speak up. Yep. Even that, you got to weigh it out. Because yeah. if I speak up right now, I don't like the way Echo's talking to me. Okay, cool. Mm. Echo, I don't like the way you're talking to me. Well, what the hell is your problem? What? What? You can't take a joke? Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden I've hurt our relationship. Yeah. Now, I go too far in the other direction and you just constantly verbally abuse me and I don't stand up for myself, I got a problem. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, okay, what's going on? Wait, why? Echo's telling me I better hurry up with the project. And wait, dude, why why is he saying that to me? Oh, he's actually hurting my ego because he's, He's, he's imposing his authority on me and that hurts my feelings. But the fact of the matter is I should have done better. Right. I should be moving along with the project. So yeah. the only reason I'm wanting to lash out and stand up for myself is because my ego's in the way. Or yeah. if I go, hey, you know what, Echo? You're right. I need to buckle down and get this project done. Oh, I just did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Because like, yeah, if someone tells you, because a lot of times like when someone corrects you or, or, or I don't know, you get a talking to in whatever way for some, some mistake that you made, a lot of times, like, it's more the tone that you're offended with because they're kind of right usually yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. in, my pers- in my experience. You know, I wrote about that in Leadership Strategy and Tactics. Like, somebody tells you something critical yeah. and it pisses you off. Eat those emotions and then listen to what they actually said yeah. and see if they're right because they probably are. And the fact that they're right is what makes you mad. Occasionally, you'll get mad because, dude, you know, when you're like, hey, hey, Jocko, you need to finish up this project. Occasionally, it'll make me mad because I actually did finish the project. I'm like, I already finished it, Echo. Right. But most of the time, I'm mad because what you're saying is true. Yeah. <laughs> and you're making me feel a certain way. But, it, man, I can't help but... Into, I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. I can't help... Then again, this is maybe the bigger picture or maybe a smaller picture. I don't know. But let's say, okay, I made a mistake and... Every single time I make a mistake, and not terrible, complacent mistakes, or nothing like, like honest mistakes, you know, let's say, I don't know, three, four, a year kind okay. of a thing. And then you come and you talk to me like you're belittling me, not necessarily with your words, but with your tone. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be kind of swearing more than you should. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe you'll do it in front of like some key people or something like that, like my kids or mm-hmm. something like this. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like there's certain 
when people don't like your tone, even if they're right with what they say and you are wrong, even yeah. if you don't like their tone, for sure. that me- that's still something there. For right? sure. Yeah. So when do you go, hey, also oh, you'd probably do it in a, like a, you wouldn't react in that way then, no. right? You'd maybe go be like, hey, yeah, you're right. Because hey. by the way, when you use a tone with me that I quote, don't like, yeah. And I show you reaction. What does that make me look like? Ah. <laughs> sure, <laughs> look sure. like when I go, hey, Roger, that. Mm-hmm. I don't even let it's water off the back, homie. Yeah. It's not bothering me, right? But what if it's your wife and you don't want to? You don't want to live a life where she's talking to you like that all the time. See what I'm so saying? What that seems mistakes, common. What kind of mistakes are you making that she's having to talk to you like that? Well, I don't know. May I, the thing is, let's say that that. W- was less the factor because I'm just saying it, there comes a point where it's like, sure, I'll own up for literally all my mistakes as far as like, yeah. you're right. I won't defend, I won't be defensive or then nothing you like need this. To own up for the fact that you married someone that you shouldn't have married. Cause you know, and you might, and you might have to escalate your directness over time and say, yeah. Hey, listen, darling, I, I know that I make some mistakes, but when you talk to me like this, it doesn't, it doesn't put me into a good position. Now look, even that right there, I can, it's hard for me to put those words together. Right. Yeah. Because what you're basically saying is, I'm sad that you're talking to me a certain way and that's not gonna make me sad. Yeah, but what if she starts calling you like worthless or something like that or you know, like that kind of stuff, like actual belittling stuff. I realize me saying this kind of makes it sound like my wife is doing this to me. I understand that. Let me go on record. Asking for a friend. <laughs> yes. Well, what's up with Sarah Charles? I, no, no, Drop no. on the hammer. Let me go on record to say she does not call me a loser or nothing like this. Much. <laughs> Everyone's not. But I'm saying, isn't it? Is there yes, a point there where is a you dichotomy have to address where, that? There is a dichotomy, and you start off with an indirect approach, and then you get more direct over time. And eventually, you might have to be so direct that you're saying, "Hey, listen, if you keep talking to me like this, I'm not going to be here anymore." But that could take that should take time. Yeah. But the first thing is like, you know, you say something, you belittle me, you call me a loser, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> whatever. And I have water off the back, right? Mm-hmm. Then you do it again the next day. You're such a loser, and I go. I'm like, now I don't really smile about it. Next, you're such a loser. And I go, hey, Echo, keep calling me a loser. Like, what are you trying to address here, man? Are you just, are you joking? Are you serious? What, what, what's, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I'm being a little bit more direct. And you might explain to me, well, this is why I'm saying I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, okay. Well, hey, you know what? You might give me a hard time, but it doesn't sound like you're joking, which is, I don't know if you know that. You know, so I'm gonna be more and more direct over time. So yes, you do eventually have to stand up for yourself. A lot of times, standing up for yourself just makes you look like you're insecure and weak. Right, and and it hurts your case, right? It hurts your case. Yeah, it's essentially standing up for yourself, because there's nothing wrong standing up for yourself. In fact, that's doing the right thing most of the time under most circumstances. Let's say under legitimate circumstances, standing up for yourself is the right thing, we'll just say. But you gotta do it, back to the question, in the right way, given the criteria that you just said. In the right way is with minimum force required. Yep, I understand. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell my friend that advice. Next question. (laughs) I've listened to your content for a few years and I'm inspired constantly by your discipline. I recently enlisted in the Navy and I'm crushing it at my A school. I stay on top of my fitness and nutrition and have a good circle of, of friends in the real world who I hang out with. But for my whole life, including now, one of my favorite ways to spend time with my oldest friends is online gaming. 
I feel like it isn't out of my control, but I do spend a significant amount of time of my free time on this hobby. How do you feel about gaming? Do you think it's a decent thing for a disciplined person to be really into if it isn't getting in the way of important things? Thanks, as always. Look, uh, I was never into uh, gaming. I get that it can be fun. I also get that it can be addictive. And I remember the first muster we had. Remember the very first muster we had? I had a guy come up to me afterwards, great guy, and he's like, I'm gonna tell you a story and it's really embarrassing for me to tell you this. And I was like, oh cool, what's up? And he was like, uh, I know this sounds like weird and you aren't gonna be able to relate to it, but I was addicted to video games. And I was like, oh. And he kind of walked me through the story. And you know, he was spending like 10, 12 hours a day mm-hmm. playing video games. And he, he had come to the first muster I think it was the first muster. He, well, he was in San Diego for sure. And he was like, I, he had heard us on the podcast talking about a guy that, uh, that was biting his nails. And I was like, dude, stop biting your nails. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, cool. And he stopped biting his nails. And he was like, I heard you say that. And I was like, I got to stop playing video games. And he took all those video games, brought them down to the freaking pawn shop, sold them, and used that money to buy a ticket to the muster. Came to the muster <laughs> to tell me this. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so that's an addiction, bro. That's an addiction. And these games are designed to make you addicted. So I don't like that aspect. It doesn't provide you any actual skill, by the way. That's probably my biggest issue. There's no, you get not, you get no skill out of it other than in this weird virtual world that doesn't actually exist, which is weird to say that you're learning something for a world that doesn't actually exist, right? That's not, that's not a good use of our time. Uh, Now, listen, you have fun, you got friends, there's a social aspect to it. Cool, I get it. Right, I get it. So, this isn't like a clear cut case like your fiance hiding the bottle and getting drunk and lying to you. Mm. To me, that's a more clear cut case. I don't think you need to walk from the video games, but you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to what's going on. Moderation, can you keep it? Can you control it? Can you limit yourself? to you know half hour a day hour a day how long do people play video games for a day i think it's three ish hours i think bro please if you're spending three hours doing something that's gonna only help you inside of a weird unreal fake world i would prefer that you get good at jujitsu that you get good at guitar and archery and uh uh painting and calligraphy and boxing and Muay Thai. That's what I would prefer you were doing. I think all those things would be better than getting good at Call of Duty. Uh, But if it's a place where you can connect with your friends, if it's a place where you have some fun, bro, I I have fun doing some things that are not productive that don't give me anything. Like what? I'm not sure, I was trying to think of that as I said (laughs) that. What do I do that's like fully not productive? Oh, I'll watch like a video series. Yeah. You know, I'll watch like. Wait, does you does jujitsu YouTube count? Uh, that is not not productive. Okay. That is that is that has a level of real world productivity. Okay, uh, I'll watch a series um, on TV. I watched the Queen's Gambit with my with my younger daughter. You know, it's once relationship a week. Yep, building. we got. Uh, see, there was a little benefit. But so is g- online gaming. Though. But I could have been playing chess with my daughter instead of just watching, watching a movie it. about it. But yeah. the movie did kind of motivate her. 
Yeah, know, and career. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna let you finish. But there's what do you call this little nuance to the, I, I, the whole I'm kind of finished. Like I'm kind of finished. Hey, and I don't think it's some big extreme answer, right, yeah. bro? If you're playing too much video games, stop. Yeah. If you want, if you want to play an hour or two, maybe on the weekends you're like, hey, it's Thursday or whatever, Saturday night. We're gonna play for a few hours. Cool. Hey. Yeah. Booyah. Let's go. Meet up. You know. Yeah. Cool. We'll see each other online and have fun. Oh, dude, yeah. that was a good move, right? Yeah. And you do that two hours. Cool. I'm thinking if you go over two hours, I got an issue with it, man. Yeah. Because you should be picking up a guitar. You should be mm-hmm. picking up a freaking bow and start shooting archery. Yeah. You should be training jujitsu, like other stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, like hobbies. And, and, and also, you're probably going to point this out. This is not my world, bro. I don't barely know anything <laughs> about it. Like, it, yeah. I'm just thinking it's a, it's not. I, I, it's a world I don't know about. Maybe it's way more beneficial than I know about. Maybe there's some some uh, benefit that you get out of that I don't know about. So if that's true, cool. You yeah. know, t- brief me. Uh, yeah, I, tell I, me about the nuances the, you were talking about. Well, there are. I'm t- okay, well, let's go back to you watching stuff with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say I don't know what is it, Game Queens, of Queens Gambit. Okay, and that's like I never heard of that. What it was, is that? It's like a movie. A, it's a series. A series, but about. just entertainment. That's not like a yes. Do- it okay. is a it is an entertainment series. Yeah. Okay. So, and you're the one who t- said this to me, where it's like, no, that's relationship building. It's like when you eat an ice cream with your kids. Yeah. Right? It's like relationship building. So I'm like, oh yeah, cool excuse to pound ice cream, Jocko. Mm-hmm. But then. I thought about it I was like wait it is relationship building because when you go through experiences we talked about this before, when you go through experiences with people the more wide range of experiences you have with them the more connected you feel so sure. that means good and bad so mm-hmm. some people they say oh yeah if you do hard things with people that builds a relationship yes but it only builds half mm-hmm. you go through good and bad and good and bad are related to each other of course because mm-hmm. you know then you get the more robust for lack of a better term relationship so playing video games, eating ice cream with your kids or whatever, you go through a certain experience. That's why we watch movies. So let's say I watch Training Day, mm-hmm. right? And whatever character on there I, I identify with, could be mm-hmm. more than one, I'm going to go through that little journey with them, okay. you know? And that's part of the entertainment right. of movies, especially if they're made well. Um, and if you, that's why you go to the movies with someone. So ideally you go on a date, let's say you go on a first date, you're a young man, right? Go on a first date. Well, what's one of the obvious places you can go? Go to the movies. Now, is it depends on your culture, I guess, but usually you don't really talk a bunch during the movie. It's kind of rude, right? You watch the movie together in silence. So why would you go on a date to the movies? Doesn't make sense, almost. But it does make sense because you too, as far as the beginning of the relationship, you're experiencing and going through a little journey. It's psychological for sure, but it's real. A journey together. So that builds a relationship just in that small way. And I'm sure you, I mean, you can feel it too, yeah. you know. You can, but let's face it, you could have built relationship while you were learning jujitsu. Oh, yeah. And you know? th- but you, so can, you can always say that, though. different levels of what we're doing. Oh, yeah. And you don't always have to be level 10. So, so you're going cool, like play play away. Okay. So to the video games, a little bit different. And I, I, have, I, have, I am not in the gaming world. Mm. My The video games that I've like the last video game that I played, which is kind of recently, and I play it with my son or with my son watching, is Metroid, the old school Nintendo Entertainment okay. System, 1982, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But these are different games nowadays. Like nowadays, Even Metroid. Yeah, Metroid is that simple. But wait, wait, is the game that you play right now an advanced version of the old thing, or is it just the old thing? The original Metroid. Oh, you know, exactly the same. It's the one. Yeah, it's the same. It is the actual game. Okay. So it's, yeah. No it's, different. No new graphics. Nope. 
Okay. It's the exact one. Yeah. Metroid? Metroid, yeah. Okay. Nintendo Entertainment System. The yeah. OG original Nintendo. Do you buy it new? No, there's a new version of it. Bro, the Nintendo... It's funny because tech is like... It makes sense when you understand where they sell the, the console. <laughs> it with makes sense when you understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, it does. So, now, okay, back in the day, the Nintendo Entertainment System had little cartridges, right? Yep. Each game was a cartridge. You put yep. it in the system. Now they're all in like one thing. One console, and they're yeah. in there, and it's teeny tiny. It costs like a dollar like for the whole thing. It's super cheap is what I'm saying. And because it's so simple compared to the technology <laughs> right now, you can put it on like a smaller chip the whole library of games yeah. so it's a small little chip and they replicate the, they remake the controllers and all that but the game the ones and zeros that make up the game is the exact same thing so it's the exact same game all the way down to the secret passwords and everything everything to the pixel it's mm-hmm. the exact same game now but it's just a different system so when you're playing it, it's the exact same thing but the whole intent behind video games maybe not the whole intent but the intent behind video games generally speaking is a lot different now Compared to back then. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about it, like, you ever played Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. I mean, I literally have probably played four times. Okay, so. You know, there's a man jumping over barrels. Is that Hon- Donkey Kong? That's per- Oh, yeah, that's maybe Mario Brothers you're thinking okay. about. What, what did you say? Or Donkey Kong. Super Mario Brothers. They're different. They're different, yes. Okay. So you go through all these worlds. Anyway, the, the goal back then, generally speaking, is to, like, beat the game. Right. Unless you get, like, a Pac-Man situation. Which is like you just keep going. Can you not beat the Pac-Man? I think it just repeats and repeats. Like you go through maybe twelve levels, and then it gets like slightly faster or something. Okay. I don't know. I'm not sure about Pac-Man, but back then you beat the game. It's like you just beat the game. Cool. You're kind of done. Nowadays it's like you just keep going. You just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Then they added the social component to it, where now you can go online and play with people, and they're in the game as well. Yep. So. Yeah, you get a fall off for sure as far as like relationship building. So like, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's like it's it's kind of like the digital version of, I don't know, maybe p- playing like pickup basketball with somebody and mm. talking trash and yeah. all this stuff. I know this because my nephew plays. I can hear him in there swearing at people oh, and they're okay. laughing and they're doing it. Sounds like a boatloads Sounds of fun, like fun, to be honest. But yeah, when you're in there for five hours, it's different than playing basketball for five hours yeah. because of all the other benefits of, yeah. or let's say jujitsu or whatever. Yeah. Even for five hours jujitsu, let's say you go twice a day or something like that. <laughs> there are so many real world benefits to jujitsu compared to online. Online only has that one. So, yeah. bro, if you're if you're doing ten hours, yeah. you kind of, what do you call it? Diminishing or defeats Diminishing the purpose terms, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So maybe like. You know, an hour a day or not even that. Maybe like an hour every other day. Yeah. Especially if you have friends out of town or something so like that. So you're reiterating my assessment, kind of. Yeah. Went a long way. Depends on, the <laughs> <laughs> depends on the game, though, because there well, are psychological we, benefits to what's called gamification. Right? So so video games, the appeal of video games, from what I understand. Yeah, you score points. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you you basically have, uh, you have perceived risk and um, success and failure. Scenario, the relationship between success and failure and without real world consequences. Mm. So that's why you get addicted to it. It's like all this upside. The failure is like minimal, but the success is like in your brain has like the dopamine. The dopamine hits. Freaking, yeah, response is like similar, you know, problem solving or whatever. Right on. Well, I think we're talking hour every other day or one half hour a day. Weekends, hour and a half. Put it this way: if he, because he said he was he was doing it to bond with his old friends, yep. so I I support. 
Cool. Especially if they live out of town. Let's face it, bro. If you don't talk to your friends that much, it's like you lose touch. It's like you're losing kind of a part of your, your social life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's beneficial to some degree. Moderation. Moderation. All right. That's it for today. Thanks, everybody, for joining. You know the deal. You want to get some stuff? Get some stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stay safe out there. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the interwebs. And thank you for supporting what we're doing here on the underground. We'll be here. And we'll talk to you all later. Until then, this is Echo and Jocko. <laughs>